was waiting. I didn't know if there were some announcements. I was like, <laughs> went back there with my wife going, is it time? Is it time? She goes, I don't know. <laughs> so, well, good to be with you this morning. Thank you. My name is Marshall, and uh, my, my family and I have recently uh, decided that this is going to be our tribe. We're going to be hanging out here, so we're excited to be with you and uh, to uh, be here when we can, when we're not out on the road or out doing something with Bridgetown, but um, it's great to be here this morning, and I, I, I'm just going to tell you straight up, I resent wearing pants right now. I normally am a short person all through the summer, and so um, I've got my chaka, I got these chaka like sandals, and I got this really cool tan right now going. It's like striped across my feet, so I'm uh, missing those right now, so, but it's good to be with you, and I'm just excited for Dave and his family and the Morris family today. I'm excited for what's going on there, and so Dave and I have been friends for 20 plus years, and so to watch his babies grow up and get married is just uh, crazy, so uh, be praying for them. How many are going down, driving down today? Awesome to see most, oh, awesome to see most of you there. We'll be there as well, and uh, look forward to seeing you. So, you know, it's funny, um, you guys have been spending some time uh, talking about relationships in the summertime, and so Dave and I talked about it, he said, let's continue on focusing on, on the relationships, and just thinking through, as we talk to the church, and as we come and talk um, in front of you today, that the fact is, is that the God that we serve really exists in relationship. You know, Orthodox Christianity believes that we believe in a, a triune God that exists three in one, but he exists in an incredible relationship. C.S. Lewis calls it an incredible dance, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are together in this incredible relationship, always um, interdependent of the other one. And that creates the Godhead. It creates God himself. And so what an amazing thing to be able to talk about that because the very essence of the God that you and I serve is relationship. He lives in it. It's an example of him, of God, that he lives in that relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, I'm going to be spending some time focusing on, um, we, I, when I was here a couple of weeks ago, we talked about relationships with fam, between family members and, and what other things, other parts of relationship you guys have talked about. And this morning, I want to spend some time kind of focusing on relationship within humanity. What's our role as in humanity? How are we supposed to reflect the image and the relationship of God in the communities, right, and in the schools and in the places around us, especially in a world where a lot of times I don't like you and you don't like me because maybe of my political bend. Oops, did he just say that? It could be because of the way I see something in the Bible. It could be a bunch of different things that cause you and I to create a tribe or create a silo that allows you and me to no longer have relationship. And that's just not how God intended it to be at all. And so this morning, my hope is to kind of dive into some scripture so that we can see what it is that God wants for us and um, challenge you this morning, encourage you, Maybe you'll see something that you need to change. I always like to go and be challenged and walk out going, okay, here's where I was, and I see some things in my world that I need to change and tweak, so you know what? That's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to walk out, get in the car, and be very angry at the person who spoke in the car, obviously not when they're there, because usually if, if I'm angry about something that they said, it usually means there's something going on in my world. Wouldn't you find that? That's what I find about myself, is that I need to check my heart 
because something's going on in me. And uh, we go from there. So let's pray, and then um, let's dive into God's word this morning. So Father, thank you this morning for your word. Thank you that you care about us so much that you exist in relationship, that you are relationship. The very essence of you, of who you are, and what you're all about is relationship. The Bible is all about relationship. It's all about you reaching out and showing us that. So this morning as we spend time in your word, spend time and focusing on that, would you, Father, be, uh, would you speak to us by your Holy Spirit? Would you change our hearts? change our minds and give us an ear to hear those things that we need to hear. And we praise you and we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So like I said, relationships are central to who God is. And one of the things that we find um, when I was reading through, I was reading through um, uh, the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. As you get down to verse 9, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. One of God's major aspects is that relationship and peace go together, that we have relationship and we have peace. Now, peace is not, doesn't mean that there's all, it doesn't mean that it's all, you know, glory land all the time, but that, there, that there's a sense of us in our lives that we want to be at peace with one another, that I want to be at peace with all men as much as I possibly can be, right? That there's a part of that. So he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So what, what are the things I have to do, one of the things I have to remember when I'm thinking about relationships to help me to relate with other people and to stay focused on people and to, st to stay focused right before people is I have to remember a couple things. And the one thing I have to remember, and if I don't remember this, I go to war with people very quickly. How many of you, it's, fine, it's easy for you to kind of go to war with people. Okay, there's three of us. Okay, so the rest of you guys are awesome. But it's pretty easy for me to go to war with people if I'm not careful. But the way that helps me to stay out of going into war with people is by remembering this. In Genesis 1.26, I have to go back to the very beginning of Scripture to find out what God thinks about human beings. In Genesis 1.26, it says, Then God said, let, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. So whenever I'm struggling with human beings, the first thing I have to do is remember that all human beings, everybody say all, look to your friend next to you and say all human beings are created in the image of God. Now that's basic theology for us. That's basic stuff. But we forget it a lot. And see, the minute that we forget that, and the minute that we, for, the minute that we put that off to the side, is the minute that we become self-deceived. You see, if we think about this, is that we are formed in the image of God and are loved and inherently valuable to Him. All human beings are. The other thing is that God has created a pathway for our lives to transform us into, into His image. In 2 Corinthians 3, it says, from glory to glory, that we're transforming into the image of God, to the image of Christ. And the next thing in Hebrews, it says, God wants to remove the things that are in the way and therefore corrects and cha chastens us because He loves us. It's a part of our life. 
But we can forget that. And when I forget that human beings are made in the image of God, I become self-deceived. Now, what does that mean to be self-deceived? Listen to this. Here's a great example in the scripture of Paul talking about his, self, his own self-deception in Romans 7. He says, for what am I doing? I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. This poor guy, he's just kind of going through it, right? You ever read that and have to kind of, you're doing one of these? Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me and the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from the, this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. A gentleman named Lewis Sneeds, in a book called From a Pretty Good Person, he says this, Self-deception is corrupted consciousness. What makes self-deception so hard to overcome is that we never consciously set out to deceive ourselves. No one got up this morning and said, you know, I think I'll lie to myself. Reality is flagging us down with red signals. Remember Romans 7? Reality is flagging me down. Blinking lights, beeping beepers, anything to get our attention, a text, a Facebook post, whatever. But in a microsecond, we deny what we know, and then we deny what we are denying. So we know that all human beings are created in the image of God. Amen? We know that. But yet sometime in the very 10 minutes from now, you'll get angry with somebody and get in a place with them and you'll deny that they're human beings because now they've become an object to you becoming successful. Amen? Anybody ever in that boat? I'm in that boat 20 times a day. But the fact of the matter is, that's self-deception. Another way of putting it from a gal, uh, or not a, guy, a gal, a guy named Cornelius, I'm not going to try to his, do his last name because I'll mess it up. But self-deception is a shadowy phenomenon by which we pull the wool over some part of our own psyche. We put a move on ourselves. We deny, suppress, or minimize, listen, what we know to be true. We assert, adorn, and elevate what we know to be false. Paul even says that, that Romans 7 thing right there. He sees that in his own self, and we see that in our own selves. And so as it comes down to relationships, when it comes to relationships, is what we're focusing on right now. Because here's the deal. If the church isn't known for relationships, it might as well just shut its doors. If it's not known for relationships, it's not known because we should be reflecting the image, right? We should be reflecting the love of God. We should be reflecting. That's what should be known for us, about us. And if that's not happening, we're just a club that gets here and has a nice concert every once in a while with a great singer who has no hair. I relate to that, brother. I'm with you. 
and self-esteem is something that we all struggle with. It's something that we all have to be careful of. It's something that we all have to recognize that is in ourselves. And the minute, the minute that I begin to, and I'm going down to the very basic of all things about human beings, which is the basic thing about all relationships. It all starts right there. It starts right there in Genesis 1, where he creates man in his image. That's, that's the beginning of it all. And when we begin to deny that about other human beings, we can no longer experience the power and the presence of God. And we walk in self-deception. Ouch. It makes me think right now about who am I in that space with. Where they become an object to my, an object that is keeping me from being successful. Or keeping me from moving forward. Or keeping me from getting the stuff that I want. Or the way that I want. about relationships. So what I have to do with that is, as I'm in that place is I find myself very often in that. I don't know if you've ever been there where you can, you can really quickly get into that and I have to evaluate what it is that gets me there. And basically it comes down to this place that I have to make a decision every day of my life, every morning and throughout the day is am I going to be at war with human beings or am I going to be at peace with human beings? And it's deeper than just a chant, like today I'll be at peace with human beings. It really is an internal decision that I have to make, that today I choose to be at peace with myself because of God, which therefore translates to being at peace with human beings. Make sense? So I have to choose that. Now, for me, I don't know how you choose to do that, but for me, I have to put it in. I have an iPhone, and I've broken down the Lord's Prayer. I've broken it down from the, in the morning. I, I, I write it out. It's, a, it, it's an alarm because it's not God who ever, God never leaves me. He never forsakes me. Isn't that good? The mic does, though. Even me. But God never leaves or forsakes me. It's me that turns my head. It's me that leaves the room. It's me that says, oh, I think I like that lollipop as opposed to serving God. And so I have to remind myself to be in the presence of God. I have to remind myself that I'm in the presence of God. He never leaves, never forsakes, so therefore I have to remind myself that I'm in his presence. So one of the things I do is I have to put these little things on my phone that say, I choose today to be at peace with people. It's really easy for me. I, li I work under a bridge every Thursday night, and some of the people that I work with are extremely difficult, extremely difficult. And sometimes I get self-deceived, and I get in a box with them, and I get in this place with them, and I have to capture myself, and, and I'll talk about how we do that. But the first thing is I have to evaluate, am I at war or at peace? Now listen to Psalms 55. It says this, or excuse me, first off, there's a, there's a theologian named Martin Buber who said this. He talks about the I-thou seeing others as God sees them, or the I-it, seeing others as objects. Psalms 55, 20 says, He has put forth his hands against those who were at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Let me read that again. He says, 
He has broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn forth. Here's how the cycle works. And you've probably seen this. You might have actually walked through this cycle before you came to church today, trying to get your family to church today. Amen? What happens is I'm going to use you in the front row, my brother here. I have a sense or a desire to do something good for him. Like I see him there and I see that he needs something. But I have this sense or desire to do it and then I have a sense or desire not to do it. And at that moment, I make a decision. This is a split second. It's a nanosecond that it happens. It's not like, everybody's waiting for you to make the decision. It happens all day long where I have a sense or a desire to do something good because the Holy Spirit has revealed to me to do something good for that person. And at that moment, I have a decision. I choose to do that or I choose not to do that. Now, if I choose to do it, Right? Have you ever felt this way with the Lord? Like, I don't want to really, I tried, like, sometimes I don't want to do it, but I step out and do it, and then the feeling of, I did it, follows, as opposed to waiting for the feeling to do it sometimes, right? So, I, say I choose not to do that. Say I choose not to serve him. Say, I choo- say he falls over, and all of his, his change goes out on the floor, and because he's got brown hair and I've got no hair, I choose to not serve him. You know what that might sound really weird but that's a lot of what's going on in our world today this is simply what it is i got no hair you got hair you label it however you want to label it but i choose to not serve him and i walk away because you know what his family has a history of cutting hair and they have taken the hair from my family for years And I no longer have hair because my family's hair is gone because of him. I mean, it's funny, but think about it. So I choose because of history, because of prejudice, and because of hurt and past pain and all that stuff to sit there and watch him struggle. When I had this urge to just bend over and pick up his change. And if I would have done that, it would have been awesome and I would have walked off. But now what happens, I sit there and I watch him struggle and I don't do it. So what do I have to do now? I have to justify my actions. I have to justify why it is. So now I go, it's because you cut my hair. It's because your family's always cut hair. It's because you've left us bald and you stripped us of all of our follicles and left me this way, left me that way, and my forehead is shiny now and so on and so forth. But the fact of the matter is, What I'm doing is Martin Luther says, I step away from the ability to serve that human being. And now I have to justify my actions. I have to justify my choice not to serve the image of God in that human being. Very central to who we're created to be, to serve one another. But when I choose not to serve that human being, I put myself in a place or a box with that human being. Well, now I have to justify the actions. And now, instead of just serving him, now I've created all these things about him. I've demonized him. I've demoralized him. I've called him names. I've created prejudices. I've made boxes and I've made forms and I've, I've made religions against those people. I've put them in this or that place. And therefore, now we can no longer be together because there's a war between us rather than a relationship between us. Does this make sense? You ever experienced that? That's not what God wants for us. 
That's not his perfect place. Could you imagine the Holy Spirit and the Son being in the box with each other? Could you imagine God relating in this angst? No, he doesn't. He relates in perfect harmony with one another. And he desires that for us. He desires that place for us. So it's a cycle, that sense of the desire, the choice to honor the sense, to see a person like me that's struggling, or to see an object and my heart immediately goes to war against that person. This happens in a nanosecond. In a book I read recently had this. It talks about a husband and wife, and they've just had a brand new baby. This is going to really hit home. And the, the husband and the wife are there, and the baby starts crying. And all of a sudden, a war begins in the bed. Because the husband says, I'm not getting up. I worked all day. It's her job to get up and go with, be with the baby. And he starts to justify his actions for not getting out of bed and going and picking the baby up. And he starts demonizing his poor bride, right? Who's worked just as hard as he has that day. And if he would have just got up and taken care of the baby, none of that demoralization would have happened. But he puts a wedge. Relationships. Relationships with the world is what we're talking about. Relationships with human beings. This goes way bigger than just here. It goes way bigger than just me and you and me helping you. It goes way out into our churches. It goes way out into our, our division of churches and the way we do things like, hey, I don't like the way you believe in the Bible, and I'm going to come against you because of the way you believe in the Bible. So I'm going to create a little group. We're going to call our group this group, and you're going to call your group that group, and we're going to lob gospel grenades over into your group and into your group, and we're going to tell you that that group is bad and that group is bad, and we're going to speak bad about them from the pulpit. Amen? See is an object. It's a cycle that we go through daily. It's a cycle that we, we struggle with daily. So how do I know if that's happening to me? One of the key things is to listen to yourself. And this is where it's going to get real for you this morning. And where it gets real for me, too, because I have to think about these things. Signs of being at war. How do we know I'm at war? How do we know that I'm at war? Here's some signs. Remember, the signs of being at war, the first one is horribleizing. Who is it right now that I'm horribleizing? Who am I horribleizing against? Who am I saying, they're awful, they're the worst. It's really easy for me. Hey, let me just talk about them right now. Horribleizing them. Listen to yourself. When you have a conversation, where does it go to the quickest? Who does it focus on the quickest? That could be an indication that you're at war with somebody. Next one is blaming. How quick are you to blame? Oh, it's them. I could do it. I, I grew up, you, some of you heard my story. I, I come from six divorces. My mom was married three times. My dad was married three times. Um, I was homeless as a teenager. I was adopted at 17 by a great family. I could sit around all day long and blame my family for the way I could be. I could be in the box with my family. I could be at war with my family. And sometimes I am. I have to remind myself. I have to talk to myself about why didn't my mom, my mom, she took better care of me. She decided to go to drugs and alcohol, blah, blah, blah. And then sometimes I have to re talk to myself about that, and I'll talk about how that happened here in a little bit. Blaming. What about feeling victimized? Another one that you might struggle with is feeling victimized. Remember, we're talking about relationships here. Feeling victimized. Ooh, it was 
they really hurt me. I'm really injured because of what they've done. I'm this way because of that. I'm the victim. The next one is exaggerated value. Well, I'm, I'm Pastor Marshall. deliver the word of God. Exaggerated value. What about, what about knowing that I'm right? Because you know what? You're always right, aren't you? Amen? And if you do it my way, it's always going to be the best way. Knowing I'm right. That's another one. These are things, you see these things working in you or focusing on myself really focusing on myself. It's really easy for me to focus on myself. It's really easy for me to focus on my personal comfort and my personal way of doing things. It's really easy for me. So those words, if you see those in your life and you hear those in your world and you see that going on in you, you might be at war. Listen to this. This is where it goes. You hear that. Here's the prayer for us in Psalms 139. The psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Psalms 139, 23 through 24. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me. And, And we could stop there. But he says, no, there's a comma. And he says, and lead me in the way everlasting. if you've ever prayed that prayer at your little morning devotion time. But if you really mean it, you probably, if you really mean that prayer, you're saying, God, you're, you're going like this. Show me. And God doesn't just show it to you so that you can say, yeah, it's in there. It's because he wants you to deal with it. He wants you to take it to him, especially when it comes to relationships especially when it comes to relationships within the church, within people that we know and love, especially there. And if you ask him, and I'm, this is a deep thing. This is not just a search me and know me because it sounds good and makes everybody feel like you're really humble, right? This is a deep request to the Lord. Search me and know me. Find those things in me. Look at that, find that wickedness in me and help me to deal with it. And lead me in the way everlasting. Signs of being a war. Listening to your voice. Listening to what you're saying. Listening to when you sit around and what the talk is about. Being aware of that and then asking the Lord, search me and know me. Look at my heart. Expose those things in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So how do we and then the next one is, in, um, how do we get out of this place? Because it's a struggle, and if we're, all, if we're all honest with the relational aspect of our lives, we're probably at war with somebody. There's somebody we're at war with. It's really easy. You know, one of the things that happens to me when I'm at war with people is I want to create allies. Amen? And that's how we do it. Here we do. I want to, hey, did you see her today? Yeah, you did. And then pretty soon you're like with me, and we're like in step. And then I'm going to go over here. I'm going to pull a crowd from over here. And pretty soon I got nine or ten people, right? And we're all against the one person. We create allies. 
that's easy for me to do. It's easy for me to do. And then the other thing I do is I begin to make sure that I see the actions and I talk about the actions that they're doing that make me mad at them. And I highlight those actions. And actually, I actually like it when they do those actions. I actually enjoy it. I'm so deceived and so sick that I enjoy when they fail or when they make a mistake because it completely, completely justifies everything I've just said. Rather than being brokenhearted, rather than being, God, help me to help, I'm actually going, see, I told you they'd say that. Look at that. <laughs> Check it out. And then you're with me, and then you join with me. And I love it when we make a mistake. I love it when they fail. We're talking about relationships. We're talking about the deep heart where the Holy Spirit wants to work. And it's more than just, it's, sim it's more than simply just going, hey, forgive me, I'll forgive you, and we walk away. No, there's deep work that the Lord wants to do in reconciliation. There's deep work the Lord wants to do because this is where he shines. This is where the Lord shines in reconciliation. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation, right? He says, hey, I've given you the ministry of reconciliation as though your very life is saying, look, I implore you, we implore you, be reconciled to God. We've been given that ministry as people of God. He says part of that. Remember, God exists in relationship. So how can we get out of this place? What can we do? Well, this is interesting because it comes back to being in relationship with people who care more about you than about the battle you're in, about the war you're in. You know what I'm saying? You want people that will call out of you the things they see in you. I want brothers. You know, I like I have I have my brother I have brother my brother Dave, or I have my brother Steve that I can share where I'm at, and they have permission to say you're at war with that person. And so I can't remember. Remember, I'm deceived. I can't necessarily see it. But I have people around me that understand it. And they can call me out of that place. They can call me out of that place. You see, I remember this one time. There was a guy in our church. His name was David Oakfield. And I may have shared this with you guys before. I can't remember. But I love this guy. And I don't think I've ever met a person that was more uh, genuine. And just he was a little guy. And he, he was bent over the hips because his hips were all messed up. But he drove the largest caterpillar bulldozer. I mean, it, it totally messed with your brain because here's this little guy, and he talked like this, and he's like, hello, Marshall, it's just great to see you. I love you. You know, just like that, right? And he would, he would hear my wife say something nice about me, and he would trundle on over. I just heard your wife say something really nice about you. He would do that kind of thing. He was a meddler of love is what he was. And he would deal with things very quickly. And I remember one time we did a discipleship school, and he came, I had him come talk about relationships. And he said, Marshall, he says, students, if these relationships, these horizontal relationships are not good, this one will not be good at all. This one will not be good at all. He said, these have to be taken care of, or this one will not be good. So 
So we have to ask people in our lives. What does it say in Proverbs eleven fourteen? We we use this scripture as all kinds of stuff. But where there is no counsel, the people fail. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Now let me talk to you about that because you can take that as all kinds of stuff. Because you can think, well, I'm going to go talk to them about how bad that person is, and then that person's going to counsel me that they're right, and we're going to create a little case against them, and then they're going to be on my team. That's not what this is talking about. That's talking about people that really care about my health about my relationships, about who I really am, and they really care about that, and they call me out if I need to be called out. Do you have people like that in your life? If you don't, you're in trouble. If you don't have people that can call you out, that know you, that can call you out and say, you, I'm just using you as an example because I don't really know you, okay? So, but I'm going to point at you, you know. <laughs> There is something wrong in your life. And you love them and they love you. And when, you, when they say that, you know they love you. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference between calling someone out that doesn't love you and that you don't love them. I don't accept from everybody. Like this, I don't know very many of you, so you might come up to me and I probably wouldn't. I'd probably say, I don't know you, man. But if we had some time together, I'd allow you to speak into my life. But it takes time for that, too. But you should have people in your life safety of counselors in your world, people that you love and people that love you, not just love you and, and they would never say anything direct to you, but people that really care about you and will call you out if need be because they're more concerned about your relationship with the Lord and your relationship with others than they are about their relationship with you. Does that make sense? Get with others who will pull you out of your destruction. With others that will pull you out. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So how do we get out of this? First off, we have to take action. So listen to this. Luke chapter six says, "But I say to you, um, I say to you who hear, love your enemies." Here's Jesus's way of getting out of this box of this self destruction. If you're in a box with someone, they become your enemy, right? So he says, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. This is so contrary, isn't it? It really is. If you think about Jesus' revolutionary words, and this is the very reason why you all run to him is these words right here. This is why you run to Jesus every day, because you know he says that. But yet in the church, we don't always live this way. Isn't that weird? We say these things, but go love your enemy. Go love them. You want to punch them. You want to give ministry of laying out of hands is yours at that moment. But I say to you here, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. And Jesus is saying it like this probably. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. This is the hard stuff of Christianity right here. But this is where the life of Christianity happens. This is where it doesn't make sense and it explodes and the enemy is completely thwarted when we do this stuff right here. Amen? This is where the real stuff happens, man. This is where, they, where the rubber meets the road, man. This is where it all comes down. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from, from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Excuse me. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? 
For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those, if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing. Everybody say nothing. Hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High God. Remember in, in uh, Matthew 5 that you will be called the sons and daughters of God if you are a peacemaker. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Now, I don't know about you, but that makes me so angry sometimes. If I'm just being honest with you, it likes me because my world does not work that way. Doesn't it? It doesn't work that way. If you talk about, about look, at, look, at, look at our pol- political thing going on right now. If you talk bad about this person, they're going to talk bad about that person. If you do this about that, we're going to throw something over there. All these kind of things are going on. So the world that we live in doesn't work that way, but that's because we're not of this world. We're just passing through it. We're from a different place. We're from the kingdom of God. And that's what's working in our lives right now. And this is what we have to do. So this is how we take action. And you w- I wish sometimes it would be easier, but it isn't. It's love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. That's hard to do. So what do we do? We have to look for examples. We have to look for people in our lives that are like that. And the best one that you and I have, the one who did it perfectly without sin or without error, is Jesus. See, John says, uh, or no, not John, uh, yeah, in the book of John, Jesus says, I am the way, right? I am the truth, and I am the life. And sometimes I remember wondering what that was all about. I don't know about you, but when I was in Bible college or when I was younger and I would sit around and go, what is life? You ever do one of those existential kind of moments, you know, and you're just like, what is life, you know? And I remember reading the scripture and God said to me, the father said to me, Jesus is life. If you want to box up life and put it in a jar so you can say, here's life, you would show people Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, right? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and what? See, and then drops down, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the life that God wanted us to live, He was trying to say, He was saying, Hey, live this way, do it this way, do it this way. Here's how we need to do it. And so He sent His Son Jesus to show us how to live that way. And He lived it perfectly on our behalf. Where grace comes in, we didn't deserve it. He lived it perfectly, and then we, we try to emulate it, but we can't always emulate it because of sin at work in our life. But his perfect life and his perfect death and his perfect resurrection brings us in the right relationship with God. Amen. So here's his example. Here's what Jesus says. Here's what here's what Paul writes in Philippians. Here's the example. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by, listen, be being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others 
I die. Let um, esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you. Now listen. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, the very life of God, wrapped in skin, moves into the neighborhood and lives amongst us. But being made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, taking uh, and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's our example. Now that might look different for you how you live it out because you're different and uniquely wired different. But the fact is, is that's our example. That's how we're supposed to live amongst men. That's how we're supposed to live amongst this world. That's how we're supposed to be. This is our call. This is our biggest challenge right here in the church today. Our biggest challenges today is us being right with one another first. Right, and this starts right in this room right here. That's where it starts. It has to start there. So if you've got someone over across there that you're at war with, the scripture gives us an example of what we're supposed to do with that. If you come here and you're up here taking your communion and you're crying out, oh God, he does not hear you. You're supposed to drop that communion and do it immediately and go take care of that situation and get it right and deal with the war and deal with the battle and make peace and then come back and do your offering. That's, that's just the scripture. So my, and I don't know very many of you, but my, and I'm looking forward to getting to know many of you, but my passion is to say, who are you at war with and who do you need to make peace with? That doesn't mean, when, I, when I'm talking about being at war and peace, it doesn't mean I, I can be angry with somebody and still be at peace. Does that make sense? So I can be at war with somebody and know that there's something going on. Like if I'm an employer and that person didn't do their job, it's not that I can't tell them what to do because then I'm seen at war with them. I can still be at peace with peace with them, but let them know that they're not doing their job. Does that make sense? So being angry with somebody doesn't mean that I'm at, I'm at war with them. So it's very important that you recognize that as well. It's not all happy, clappy, and Oprah Winfrey stuff. Because there's sometimes where, you know what, something's hard, sometimes hard things need to be said. Because God, what does it say in Hebrews? He says he chastises those that he loves. And he doesn't necessarily, I'm, I'm, sometimes I'm actually glad that I hear from a human being than if God were to crack the sky and talk to me. But he used human beings to call greatness out of us. He'll use others in the body to call greatness out of you. So I want to challenge you this morning as you go out to lunch, as you go out to places that you would listen and you would say, God, search me and know me and try my heart and look at my heart and, let, and show me if there be things in me. Show me if I, there be places in me that I'm not at peace with people. Because this is the very basic of all relationship that we just talked about today. The very basic. I'm honoring the image of God in you. And all human beings 
all of them. Everybody say all of them. I don't care what faith they are. I don't care what orientation they are. They are created in the image of God. And my job is to reach to that image of God and love the image of God that's in that human being. Does that make sense? And so I want to encourage you to step out into the world with that in your mind. If you go out, if your mind in that way, that I'm not at war with people. Sometimes as Christians, we get taught that we're at war. We're at war with the evil of this world, with the enemy of our soul, but not with human beings. Does that make sense? I'm not at war with human beings. I'm at war with the evil of this world and those things like that. But I'm not at war with you or you or the human beings. I have to remind myself of that constantly. Because if I sense that you're doing something that is keeping me from really worshiping God, you can become an object. How quickly does it happen in church? you got a person standing there, and they like to sit down during worship. And the other person likes to stand up and like this, right? You automatically go to war with them because they're distracting you. They're an object to you getting into the presence of the Lord. It's that quick. Oh, they're one of those happy, happy types. See how quickly it can happen? It can happen so quickly. I'm thinking about those things as you are going out, back out from this building today, and you're out to lunch, and maybe the waitress doesn't bring your food quite as quickly as you would like her to, or him to, or whatever. How quickly you can step into that place. Can I pray for you this morning? Father, this morning we... Um, we just come recognizing that we are so in need of you, in need of your Holy Spirit to teach us and guide us and direct us, in need of your life and your arms to envelop us in your presence. And so our prayer this morning is maybe a prayer of repentance for some of us, a prayer of, I've been thinking this way about that person and I need to stop that thinking. Help us, Lord, to love people because you love them, each and every one of them. Help us to see people the way you see them. Help us to recognize your presence in our lives. And God, as we do pray that prayer of really searching my heart and knowing that may it really be not just something that makes us look good, but that really, really comes in and cleans us out. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the relationships that we have, those in our lives that we do have. And we pray, Lord, that whatever we have to do to save those, love our enemies, pray for those, reach out to those, give the extra foot to those, whatever all those things are, Lord, those action steps that you've called us to take, may we step out and take those. May we be the church. May we be the representation of Jesus to this world. We thank you now, and we praise you, and we give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you today as you go out into this hot sun. And as Oregonians are like, holy smokes, this is awful. <laughs> Get me to the river, you know. But uh, God bless you as you go today. May we see you at the wedding. And uh, I don't think there's, uh, is there someone else supposed to come up? And, am, I, am I doing this? I
guess I'm doing it. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless. Bye-bye. So tonight, or there's no service tonight? No service tonight. All right. It would be awesome if everyone or some people would help and stack some chairs and uh, help clean up a little bit if you feel like serving. Thank you.